Hello my lovelies, welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Marikin, and this is now going to be the jumping off point for my next franchise deep dive. I hope you'll join me over the next five episodes, ten weeks, as myself and different guests discuss and explore the amazing, highly underrated franchise that is the Final Destination franchise. Each week will be a different film discussed in depth with different guests and follow along on my Twitter and my Instagram and let me know what you think as the episodes are released. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy recording these fantastic episodes. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morrigan, and we are continuing the deep dive into discussing the Final Destination franchise. This episode, we are going to be talking about Final Destination 3, and I am joined by the wonderful Sarah Cook, as we'll jump into this film and just talk about how much of a gem it is so before we jump into discussing the film there Sarah if you just kind of introduce yourself like maybe what your connection to horror is and why you love these type of fun movies (laughs) hi uh, I'm Sarah Cook I am a writer um, and I am also what also I'm a marketing manager uh, for UK Jewish Film Um, I have been in the film world for a long time doing making films writing about films and marketing films so I just love cinema in general um I I have loved I mean my I first my first horror film was when I was like eight and it was Candyman because I have an older sister and she hated me and made me watch a horror films when I was I was just thinking that is that's a pretty like that's a pretty like you know hard going film for an eight year old like here's me thinking my first horror film being Casper and this scarred me but no Candyman at eight that's um, pretty impressive yeah <laughs> I remember hiding behind the couch and it still scares me to this day like, and it's one of my favourites now but uh, I, I, had, I lucked out by having an older sister and wanting to follow her and do everything that she did so uh, <laughs> I watched a lot of horror films growing up um, but I didn't kind of realise how into horror I was. This is pretty stupid. Until like five years ago when I was doing a horror quiz, like a horror themed film quiz. And I got nearly every question right. And I was like, oh, maybe horror is the genre that I really <laughs> love. And, it, and, and it's a stupid realisation because I do. I love horror. Horror is just, I think, the most creative and inventive genre. Uh, and it's the one that pushes boundaries. It pushes filmmaking. Like, a lot of, like, technical things that we have come from horror films. And it's exceptional storytelling. Um, 100%. Totally agree. And, yeah, I think it's just because it's, unfortunately, still, like, the kind of genre that get like, you know, most of, like, mainstream, like, Hollywood and all that type of stuff, like, you know, looked down upon. So it's a genre the filmmakers don't get the budgets that the other big, you know, tentpole films do. So, like, you know, the fact that they have to be creative with their filmmaking and yeah we you know Tom Savini and people like that like we have horror to thank for all these amazing technical achievements in film so yes I 100% agree (laughs) absolutely and like when cinema was first invented like they wasted no time in like getting Jekyll and Hyde on on screen and like making ghosts appear on screen you know like horror has been a it's been a thing 
like the books beforehand, the horror stories we tell kids. It's, it's kind of like just been around since the dawn of time. We're always going to be attracted to the dark heart of humanity and thus like horror the horror genre is the way to portray it and just every kind of level of horror is great I think from low budget to high budget to elevated to schlocky you know 100% yes (laughs) I am very much the same my my horror taste goes from like you know loving the Ari Aster films to loving films like Ghost Shark and Killer Sofa like give me the schlocky stuff that's absolutely like you know objectively (laughs) terrible that you can have fun with and give me the objectively brilliant films I want it all just give me horror all the time horror all the time in in my eyes just shove it in (laughs) (laughs) exactly and I think that's like a good kind of segue to kind of go into breaking into this film because I think the final destination films like I've talked about two first two already so far in this franchise deep dive and like one of the kind of recurring themes and discussing these films is that they kind of like sit in that interesting middle area in that they kind of are both kind of that schlocky kind of almost like you know teen horror that like you know isn't you know it isn't critically acclaimed but there are also films that are doing kind of really interesting things with like their effects and their slasher style kills so I just want to ask you why Final Destination 3 why was that the specific one that you were like oh this is the one that I want to talk about if we're talking about this franchise (laughs) Um, I just want to prefix this and say that uh, alongside Scream Final Destination is the one series I'll watch yearly Mm -hmm. I will always always throw it on uh, some sort of comforting security blanket type way Um, and I mean, they, they do vary. Uh, I have this thing that one of the reasons why Final Destination appeals to me is because I'm scared of everything. Like, I'm scared of flying. I'm scared of, like, car crashes. And I'm scared of roller coasters. Uh, and, and the ones that appeal to me the most are one and three because they're the ones that I'm scared of the most. And mm. roller coasters has the added bonus of having Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. Oh, so. yes, our horror, our horror queen. Like, you our know, horror queen. Uh, just like, give me Mary Elizabeth Winstead in everything, please. Like, she's just fantastic, you know? I'm just, oh, yes, the oh. horror queen, horror royalty. Like, it's so good. should be in more. Like, it's a shame because, like, you know, when it comes to horror, like, off the top of my head, Final Destination 3, the brilliant 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is just a phenomenal film and then the other one I guess it's horror adjacent but Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter they're the only kind of three horror-ish films that I can think of that she's been in but she's so good at everything she does so she'd she'd be in more horror she should be in more horror because she's great and she's just I think it's one of her earliest roles here Mm. right and the she brings a level of emotional emotionality is that a word emotional emotionality an emotion oh what am I trying yeah, to say yeah no I know what you mean like it's like yeah. she brings this like level of vulnerability and she just like really kind of makes the character believable in each scene like you can feel that character's like you know fear that emotion like she really like it jumps off the screen like it's almost palpable in a way you can almost like it's like you're almost like imagining yourself 
sitting in the roller coaster beside her as she's having that freak out at the start and then throughout the film every scene she's in she just brings this emotional weight like she's so good absolutely one of the one of the highlights in the in the first film i think is making it so realistic mm-hmm. um, to the extent that i end up crying really early on because um, when Devin Sawyer has his breakdown when he finally gets back home. Mm-hmm. And, I'm just sat there. and like when the parents and the kids meet, that's sad and that's emotional because that's real. And I yeah. think that continued to find Destination 3, kind of her reactions and her kind of despondency is something that was missing in Fire Destination 2. And I they sort of so. bring, it, bring it back that like it's, it's sad, it's you know, horrific that horrific that uh, death is going to follow her around, but she's also sad because she's lost her best friend and her boyfriend in in one go, and she witnessed it all, and it's that kind of like exactly. And I think it was interesting and looking at it like it's an, it's a good comparison between like finalization two and three because uh, this uh, three has the exact same director and writers as one so the director James Wan not saw James Wan a different James Wan <laughs> very simply like, just slightly different than the surname um but the director who did one what di- didn't direct two he wasn't involved in two at all and he came back for three and the same writers came back so like maybe I think it was they brought back that kind of no no these are like real people going through through something that might be very kind of almost supernatural and heightened but they're people like they experience emotions you know like um so yeah I definitely think you could see that in either the directing or the writing that the characters felt more real and more grounded than two and I think it's an interesting comparison because one and three even though they're the scenarios that like you're the most frightened of, they are also the ones that are probably statistically less likely in the sense that two is the one that like has had like a generational trauma in that everyone knows I'm not going to drive behind a lorry carrying logs (laughs) just because of that film and car crashes and pileups and stuff like that they happen more often. They're more common. So maybe the f- filmmakers for two were a bit like, oh, we're going to make the premonition and everything about something that happens more often. So we don't need to make the people realistic. <laughs> it's, just, it's a weird, it's a weird balance. Whereas this one, uh, roller coasters, they don't really do this that often. So we really need to kind of up the characters, and make you feel for them. <laughs> they really don't do this that often. And like plane crashes are really like safe. But the thing is, is that, I they're not statistically unsafe so exactly yeah (laughs) it can still happen and that's the thing and that's that's why I think the final destination films they work so well because of the Mm. fact that even if it is something that you know statistically is like far less likely than something mundane happening like a brick falling on your head you know like like those random kind of things that happen like even though like plane crashes and roller coaster tragedies are probably statistically less likely they're not statistically impossible so it's like it plays on that fear and I think that's why they work absolutely and it also plays in the fear like well, I don't know whether it's a fear that I got from Final Destination series or like I had before and mm. Final Destination it's the it's the signs it's when you sat in an airport and then you you get the like oh that's a <laughs> That something says crash in it. I'm definitely going to crash. 
And that is full on a final destination kind of hangover. And it's the same with roller coasters. My thing is, is that flying, I get over flying because I know that there's a destination at the end. Yeah. That out for you to go on roller coasters. <laughs> I don't see the point anymore. But the risk, eh, like. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's kind of funny, like. Like, uh, like I wouldn't do roller coasters either. And I don't know if it's like an outright fear thing or if it's just a, I don't like them. I'm not sure. I've never really analyzed it, but I just know that I don't do them that much. But it's kind of funny because like Final Destination 3 would have came out when I was like a little kid. So I wouldn't have seen it when it was on. So it was when I was in my later teens that I watched it. And it kind of like confirmed <laughs> as in it was like confirmation bias. And it's like, Huh, well this is why I never liked roller coasters because this could happen. So it's like now I won't I I know for sure I'll avoid them. Well, yeah. And the funny thing is is that the things that I'm afraid of I research a lot. Uh it's just a it's, I don't know, it's just a thing that I like. It's I kind of think it's like an adjacent to liking horror, is mm. that I will research things that horrify me. So what I like about Spider Destination 3 is that the the crash happens in the very realistic way of how crashes happen. Yeah. It's human error. Exactly. It's ultimately human error. It's the it's the camera, it's the the guy who's is it good the guy who's too big to fit on or something? Yeah, or I think like, it's like or he had it too loose and it's like I guess like it it's a culmination of human error leading up to everything and yeah. but then also as well as is like the you know I guess the recurring trope is it a trope I don't know the recurring theme throughout all the Final Destination films is something happens because death gets involved and with the roller coaster it's the like pipe starts leaking like you know mm. leak the brake fluid or something like that starts leaking and that you know in a way you could say maybe it was human error and that it was faultily designed and it was just death kind of giving it a little push <laughs> or it was perfectly designed and death broke it we don't know it could be either but yes it was the fact you know build up of everything of all these people doing things that they shouldn't like the I looked up because I got it for all these and um, my podcast deep dives. I look up, you know, the directors, the cast, and all that. And the the character that had like the video camera that he wasn't supposed to have because it's like something loose. Like who's the very like, like typical stereotypical creep? Like he's like an absolute creep. His character's name was like Frankie Cheeks. <laughs> I'm just like, ah! <laughs> like I'm just like, did they just? What what type of like skeevy name can we give this skeevy character? I know Frankie Cheeks, um, but yes, yeah, so it was him with his video camera and a mix of everything else just uh, causing this crash. And <laughs> I was watching it, and again, like this franchise, like yourself, it's like a comfort you know franchise. I'll rewatch it so many times, but every time when they they sit down at the roller coaster and. Mary Elizabeth and her character Wendy is in the back with Kevin and he just like touches the back of the seat in front of him and pulls away with the chewing gum every time I'm just like that is that's when the horror starts because that is horrifying I'm just like but also because it's horrifying because of people it's a person that left that there and humans are horrifying disgusting creatures <laughs> <laughs> yeah humans are horrifying disgusting creatures I think like and also kind of proven in this film that a lot of the a lot of the people who die in horrific ways they kind of die 
prove their own stupidity at the mm. same time as well. You know, like girls sneak in and put like a squidgy <laughs> bottle yep. underneath the thing, which like <laughs> is is a horrifying scene, but also like they they were told don't do that and they brought it in like you know and it's like it's funny because like uh, with (laughs) like with all the final destination films like yes like kind of death being the kind of slasher killer death has a hand death is involved but also a lot of the time it's just stupid people that death is taking advantage of like so many of the deaths are literally just people are dumb as rocks and death is able to just go "Uh well all i have to do is just tweak a little bit here and that person is dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um and it's got i think by the session three has some of my favorite deaths oh yes like 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 you were saying the girls like that's one of the ones that I always think about when I think about the Final Destination films is that tanning salon like that is horrifying like it's really gruesome and it's really like like also just you know you always think about you know fire or burning is like one of the worst possible because yeah. like and like they don't pull back and show it like it's very visceral and in your face and then just the like the way that they're that both beds get trapped because of like the almost like wooden beam, the shelf that gets oh, like just, every time it just horrifies me. I know what's horrifying. happening, but horrifying, horrifying. And but it has this gorgeous transition from the tanning bed to the coffins. I'm like, that is a great yes, right? transitional shot. Like that, that's so inventive and so creative. But you're right. That is one. If someone talks about Final Destination, they always bring up that those deaths because and it's it's I think it's called not to get too gross and grim but this is a horror we talked about this nation so um it's the bit where their skin starts like popping yeah. oh, you know and it's yeah. like oh I just I just set them on fire I don't need to see this yeah exactly <laughs> and it's almost like I love how they're just like you know the filmmakers are very much like if this is how someone was gonna die this is how it would happen so they don't pull back and showing you the you know as you said the skin bubbling and boiling and yeah it's not a not a fun way to go for sure absolutely no I mean like I was never keen on tanning beds to begin with but that sort of like put the well the nail in the coffin the shelf in the tanning bed <laughs> yep it's it kind of like you know sealed that one off that's like right that's another thing I can you know tick off my list of activities to avoid like you know <laughs> Just you know, statistically, probably not that likely. At the same time, not impossible. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> same time, not impossible. That is that is my going to be my motto for my anxiety <laughs> going forward. Unlikely, but statistically not impossible. <laughs> and therefore, I will not be doing it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then I think for me, the other. Like there's so many again with the Final Destination films, and it's something that I've been saying in each episode of this deep dive. But it the franchise is 100% a slasher franchise. You just don't see the killer, but it's 100% a slasher franchise with so many inventive deaths. And I, like it's, I think that's always like going into it. It's always how are they going to do it? It's like you want to see what's going to happen. Like, and I think that's why you know maybe with the main characters being the exception so many of the other characters are like 
kind of very one dimensional like you know you're not getting much you don't really get much of their personality because you know that those are the ones that are going to die like so you don't really get to know them that well but for me the other death that stood out the most just because of how absolutely like over the top and drawn out and ridiculous it was is like the gym bro death sequence like just like the death alone of like literally like being him crushing himself with like the weights like and it like like jelly like popping onto the (laughs) wendy and kevin but also just the lead up of like this is a gym with men and we're all yelling and you know (laughs) grunting and making loud noises to show how masculine we are because we're in the gym (laughs) and it's just one of my favorite sequences because of how over the top it is I love it. I always compare it to the one, I think it's is it four or five. Like the the worst one has one of the best deaths in it. I can't remember whether it's gym scene, the gymnastics sequence in four. I think I that's think in five. Is, I think that's in five. five. Yeah. So I mean, it always reminds me of that thing. They're both quite similar because they have so much build up and there's so much tension. Mm-hmm. One's more gymnastics, one's more gym bros. And then the thing that you think is going to happen doesn't happen. Yeah. Right? So you're just there going, oh, okay, so, like, you survive. And then instantly, <laughs> death. <laughs> and it's so clever. And three, it's just because he says it. He goes, fuck death, and bam. <laughs> and and you think he's safe because the swords didn't fall on him. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my God, it skipped him. But death's like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> my swords just cut the cord on your machine and now you're so <laughs> arrogant you're gonna kill yourself yeah and it's the same with the, the gymnastics scene in five when you think it's a nail and you spend the whole time watching the nail and then yeah. it's not it's not any of that and it's horrific Ooh. Uh... exactly oh yeah no exactly and I, th- I think that's something that I love about the final destination films is that Particularly, like, you know, because obviously one was the one that kind of set it up and then going into two and then into three, you know, you know what you're getting. Like, so the filmmakers know what the fans are looking for. They're looking to see how the deaths are going to play out. So I think it's always fun to see how creative they get with it. Like they're, you know, playing up with expectations, playing with the viewers, you know, wanting to see what happens and making them think oh this will how it will go and then flipping it so it goes a completely different way to keep like the viewer on their toes which I always love that it's very clever but and going into three like one of the things that not like a detractor or a drawback but again similar to two you can really tell that this is a film that was in like you know the early 2000s early to middle 2000s like just and that there was clearly no women involved in the directing or writing of this film because literally at the start when before they board the roller coaster (laughs) the amount of times that the camera just focuses on the two girls and their thongs sticking out of their sweatpants like because I guess that was height of fashion in early 2000s but it's just is this is this really necessary? No, probably not. But they're just like we're gonna do it anyway because we can. 
I was going to call them the hot girls then, but then I realised that that is... Well, they, I think that, you know, that is like a very, you know, that's, I, I'd say that is an apt description. They're the, they're the roles they are fulfilling, Ashley and Ashlyn, like, you know, the two Absolutely. A's. Absolutely, and then they become the literal hot girls, you know, yep. throughout the film. Uh, so, yeah, I get, I get what you mean, and I think, like, what I enjoy... Not to, because I, I completely agree, but what I enjoy is they kind of counteract that by making Frankie a sleaze. Yes. And it's like, if you treat these girls like Frankie does, then <laughs> yeah, you're oh. going to get something. Exactly. And but also <laughs> just the bit like where they're just like confirming to the audience, oh yeah, this character, Frankie, if you haven't already thought it, he really is a creepy person <laughs> when he's like talking to the girls and he's like, oh, and he starts like pretending to lick his little necklace thing. It's just, you're just like, huh, like, you know, just well, like this character is just, please, can he die already so we don't have to spend more time with him? Yeah, I think the only disappointing thing is that he doesn't get a long drawn out death. It's sort of yeah. it's very quick and speedy for him, like the bus, you know, <laughs> exactly and i think is it is it frankie's death is the first instance or does it happen before i can't remember but one of my favorite things about three is the constant use of the vogue song turn around look at me you know where it's like just the needle drop before a death each time where it's just like there's someone walking behind you like Oh, it's one of my favorite things about three because it's just like such a haunting lyric. And then it's like every time that Wendy's character hears it, death happens. Like it's, oh, I love how they do it. But I think it's literally when they're in the car in the, they were in a, like a drive-in, wasn't it? For food, I think, wasn't mm. it? That's where um, the truck bus combination and a boat propeller ended up like killing. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a series, and also like drive-throughs now. They're on the list. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like right, I could potentially be impaled by a boat propeller if I go to a drive-through. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's off the list as well. <laughs> like... I really, I really like um, the music motifs throughout Final Destination anyway, because the Destination One has that John, is it John Denver song? Yes, it is the um, John Denver song and Final who Destination died in the plane crash, and mm-hmm. that was like a whole big thing. Um, and what I my favorite bit of music in Final Destination Three is Love Roller Coaster. (laughs) (laughs) And like the one thing, like I'm just watching that scene, and I'm just like, I know that these are probably the characters that you know didn't believe Wendy and kind of thought she was you know making things up, but they did see the roller coaster kill the rest of their friends. Surely a song called Love Roller Coaster is going to be the last thing on your playlist to have a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, maybe, yeah, if you were there on the day when all your friends died, maybe you just don't listen to Love Roller Coaster anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, same as like, you know, sometimes certain songs, you know, you can never listen to because it reminds you of an ex. You would think because the song reminds you of all your friends dying in a terrible, gruesome tragedy. That would be higher on the list of I can't listen to that song. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, was, I just found that hilarious and bizarre. <laughs> but one of the things that I think is the 
major letdown for Final Destination 3 for me is that we don't have Tony Todd's Bloodworth. It's so disappointing. Like, yes, we get his voice as the devil for the roller coaster ride, and he is a sinister voice with a laugh. But we don't have his Bloodworth. And I was just like, it's just not the same without Tony Todd as his creepy, creepy mortician. <laughs> Hi, I mean, Candyman was my first foray into horror films, so I 100% agree with you. Tony Todd is the master, and his he is so good in one and two um, that it's a shame to not have him, because I think he would have done so well against Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, you know? like, I just really went, yeah, I would have loved to have seen those characters play off each other. Because, like, I think with three, they were kind of like, they want to try and do things a little bit differently, um, which in some instances I was a really big fan of. Like for me, I really loved how instead of like the almost kind of like mini premonitions or seeing things happening before it happened, I really loved how Wendy was like her photos were what the signs mm. were. I thought that was such a clever not gimmick but clever kind of like change to the final destination rules because usually it was you see something that might be a sign this time it was the photos I thought that was really clever and I was like that was a good kind of tweak to the rules good change bad change was going oh we can get rid of Bloodworth and we'll just have Kevin the random guy that Wendy doesn't like kind of come up to the car and go I googled and this is something that happened before and it was like (laughs) It was, really? Come on. Like, you know, Tony Todd gives such eloquent exposition and kind of gives the rules for how the characters can survive. And then Kevin is just like, I googled, you're not the only person who saw their friends die. And that's it. And I was just like, oh. Yeah, I know. It's a big shame because uh, you the best thing about his character is that you're quite, you're not sure whether he is deaf like mm-hmm. or not and that kind of mystery of like he's coming in and telling you the rules that how does he know the rules he's a mortician sure but like <laughs> maybe he is deaf and having Tony told as deaf as an inspired casting in my opinion but like oh yes like now I'm just like I just want like a movie where Tony Todd plays the Grim Reaper I'm just like yes please just like you know don't pull back just have Tony Todd as the Grim Reaper <laughs> that's, that's what I want next <laughs> that would be amazing yeah but I do, I really do love how they handle premonitions. I you put the nail on the head with that one because like uh I love the photographs um and trying to decipher and I like it when they get it wrong. Yes. Yeah, they think they have it right and then they're just like, Oh no, we actually kind of fucked up a little bit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's not this person or we got the way it's gonna happen wrong. But yeah, like there's so many different things that are happening and I think one of the moments of for me, I thought thought really good kind of tension building is when she realizes that like her sister was actually one of the ones that was on the roller coaster and is one of the ones next in line, like because of like one of the photos that she hadn't noticed before. Like I thought that was a really good scene that was like having to get down to the local fair to kind of save the sister before she gets killed in some mysterious way. And then the sister's poor friend who has no words at all just kind of just stands up and gets impaled by like this random pole and it was just like it's like I've saved you who's next oh, <laughs> <laughs> like just to kind of look stands up and doesn't say anything uh, yeah <laughs> poor friend I do think the the premonitions leads to my favorite line delivery in front of definition three and it's when Kevin is looking at like 
she, he's like, can you show, tell me what mine is? And she's like, I don't know. It looks like you did, there's a flashing lights. He's like, so it looks like there are fireworks going off in my face and just turns around to like the fireworks <laughs> display that he's security at. And I'm like, that is just, it's just the way he delivers it. And then the camera just pans towards the fair. And it's like, that's brilliant. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I, I really enjoy how like the Final Destination film, but particularly three kind of like, just, you know, it's like a little bit tongue in cheek in a lot of the ways that they kind of reveal things and they're kind of just, they just play with the characters really well. I thought like it's just, I think, one of the most enjoyable ones and it's such a comfort one, Final Destination 3. Absolutely. And like, uh, but one of the, I guess, sadder things about 3 is that once we get to the kind of, I guess, very end sequence of the film, like after they've, defeated death and then you know it's later on in their lives a few months later none of them survive like you know that's the one thing like I'm just like we don't even get like Wendy surviving no like it's the one thing that's like such a at least with one you know Ali Larcher's character clear survived one and so did um Alex Devon Sawa's character who was then killed off by death by brick between one and two like but you know at least there was some final characters but there was none with three I thought that was a bit of a disappointment like what did you think about the very kind of last sequence ending of the film so I don't think it's disappointing at all I quite enjoyed the kind of nihilistic nature of the end sequence um mostly because I like the bookend of of both having an ending starting on a premonition and ending on a premonition Mm. um and I kind of like just I think the build-up on the train is just so good um and it's kind of like that thing like the little touches they put so all the adverts are like on the train are all the things that they she's encountered over the course of the film like the tanning salon and like the sultans and stuff like that um and then watching her trying to get off the train and not being able to get off the train uh, and then like the three all three of them just happen to be and it's just that realization and I just think it's so well done and also I don't like trains either so, like, so it was another one just ticked off the list like so I mean you know. I, <laughs> I live in London I kind of ha- like it's one of the things I have to you enjoy, have to I guess really yeah but like I just kind of really like that that bookend of like building up to the premonition and then watching her face as the doors close and it's yeah just, and then like also like the very last shot of her just like screaming as she sees the lights of another train about to hit her because she had got out of the train and then was like oh there's another one coming and she's gonna be dead <laughs> it yeah. was like it was a very horrifying shot and and Mary Elizabeth pulled it off well again because she's just fantastic and um, but yeah no I know what you mean I guess I just I don't know if it's like my love for Mary Elizabeth Winstead or actually the character Wendy, but I was just like, no, not surviving. But yes, no, it was done well. It was really mm. like set up well and the tension building. And I just love, I love Kevin's reaction. Like when he like looks at her and he's, he's just like, oh shit, it's happening again. <laughs> like, just like, like, he's like, God damn it, why? why? <laughs> was just like, Here I'm... we go again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. But, um... The end of Keelan and Cowie's like, ah, <laughs> oh, no. Damn. Yeah, but, oh, it was like, done really well, but actually, one of the things that, like, completely separate to the end sequence, but it was, 
I remember when you had mentioned it earlier at the top of the recording when you were talking about Wendy as a character, how she's like gone through so much and she saw like her best friend and boyfriend die. I love that the boyfriend, the actor that's playing the boyfriend, which let me just check my notes again because I wrote it down because it stood out to me and I couldn't help but laugh. And the actor is Jesse Moss playing the boyfriend. Jason is the villain in Tucker and Dale versus evil. So the entire time I was just going, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be like, you know, trying to kill Hillbilly. (laughs) (laughs) Also, cracking movie. Absolutely Mm, cracking movie. One of the best, one of the best out there. Um, But yes, like I love how when you're like, particularly with a lot of these kind of like, early teen horror films really are such like a like way for younger actors to kind of get their start in kind of like films like I love watching like the earlier kind of 2000s films and going oh there's that person I recognize from something more recent and that was them back a long time ago <laughs> I love doing something I say I love doing it I don't it makes me sad but you I like when I watch films of like this ilk and looking at like the actors who played the bit characters and seeing what they did next and when it like kind of ends starts and ends and you're like oh well, you read a film yeah like it's 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 always like kind of like comparing like you know but it's weird though because like that actor jesse moss like technically is a bit of a bit character as jason because like he's only there for the start and then dies in the roller coaster and he's not there for the rest of the film i looked up his imd credits and he's not only was he in tucker and dale versus evil it's like he doesn't stop acting he's one of those actors that has like almost like 200 credits because i just don't think he says no to any jobs there's so many hallmark movies there's like just everything (laughs) I love it. I love it. He's also in this terrible film that I watched called Extraterrestrial. Um, and I spent the whole thing I going, I know you. Where do I know you from? And it turns out he, he dies pretty early on. In oh. Final Destination 3. Yep. Oh, but um, yeah, it's just there's so much like in this film that's just, you just have so much fun with. And it's, I think it's definitely one of the ones that stands out from the franchise like a lot of people I think like you're saying they probably think of one and three like even though uh log with lorries is like an image that's burned into like a generation's brains the rest of that film is kind of almost like forgettable for so many people but like I think three and one just have so many deaths or set pieces that everyone remembers or knows about even if they haven't seen all the films because the death sequences are just pulled off so well yeah they are really pulled off so they're so i can remember every death well i can well i know i watch it so often that i could pretty much tell you every death <laughs> from each from the destination film but three and one are the two that i could recite verbatim i guess 100 <laughs> and I think actually for for the one characters that we haven't actually kind of like touched on yet. And again, like I love how so many of these teen horror films, like because they're going, especially if they're in like the slasher genre, which these films are, is like, you know, they're like, all right, we need to have like lots of characters, but we're not really going to try and flesh them out that much. So we just kind of want archetypes. Like, I just like how there's like 
creepy goth kids. We have to have two creepy goth kids. <laughs> it's like just a couple, but particularly uh, the character Ian, played by the actor Chris Lenchy. But uh, I was just like, I was happy that this character eventually met his death because of that one scene where you just see him trying to shoot the pigeons with the nail gun. I was just like, what a prick. He deserves whatever is coming to him. His girlfriend probably didn't deserve to die by the same nail gun, but he definitely deserved what he was getting. (laughs) He absolutely did. Yeah, uh, I... Yeah, we haven't touched upon... Because I I kind of make Bikini a sort of pseudo-villain at the end. Um, He's kind of tortured by the death of... He's kind of like... um, What's his face? I can't... Oh, my God. I can't remember any names from Final Destination 1. The Jock from Final Destination 1. Oh, yes. Uh, I think Carter was his name. Carter, yeah. yeah. And he has the same kind of reaction that his girlfriend dies and he goes fucking mental over it. Whereas Carter sort of somewhat understands it towards the end. McKinley sort of becomes the villain. Yeah, like, and, like, I do think that that's something that you definitely see recurring throughout the franchises. Like, two kind of skip that one a little bit, but one has it, three has it, five definitely has it. Like, there's, like, these characters that are, like, it's like it's like almost like death's accomplished <laughs> like death is like you know just like you know what i'm gonna take a back seat i'm gonna let one of these people you know do the killing or try to i know it's uh, i was just gonna put it five has my best handle of any like death accomplice because it's like he he commits a murder pretty much and then uh doesn't survive like he thinks he's he's like and he's like oh by the way the guy that brutally got mur- like, murdered like yeah. in the accident he was dying anyway so <laughs> jokes on you but jokes on you and i kind of <laughs> love that because they always get the comeuppance i mean in, in free mckinley gets a sign and that's my favorite misdirection because you think it's going to be like the the, the boards in his um garden esque yes. shops <laughs> And it isn't, it's a sign, and the sign is the same shape, which I really enjoy, that little thing. It's like um, when Kevin dies in mm-hmm. the premonition, he dies with light, like, because he's on against the track, yeah. and the sparks are in his face, and I think it's really clever attention to detail that they still somewhat die in how they would have died in exactly. the photographs. Um, so when McKinley doesn't die by the boards, he dies by a sign which is shaped by the boards. I'm like, that. yeah and I actually that's like you know one of the things that I do really kind of like appreciate with the Final Destination films and it's something they stick to in all of them is that you know they're very much like they know how these characters are gonna die and they're gonna die that specific way like you know it's planned because like death you know it's predetermined you know death is a slasher killer like you know it isn't an accidental he's planning it and um, or it's planning it. i don't know does death have a gender who knows that's up for debate <laughs> but <laughs> we'll just go with they um but um i just like how the filmmakers you know they like you said they have that attention to detail and i that's why i kind of you know i think these films like should be kind of like appreciated a bit more because of that like you know that they are you know clever they're just because like they're teen horror and they're kind of like you know they could be kind of comfort watches doesn't mean that you know they're 
not like you know serious with what they're doing so i kind of think they are a franchise that should be appreciated a bit more like i feel that and i've said this on my other episodes as well it's very much like a sister franchise to the saw films like because i think they kind of overlap in the way people watch them it's like oh i'm excited to see how the deaths are gonna do but i think the final destination franchise almost got swamped by saw because like saw was like so inventive with the traps and stuff like mm. that so i kind of think if saw had wasn't happening when it was happening final destination might have been bigger than it was i kind of think yeah absolutely and i think um you're right that saw kind of took over the inventive depths and i suppose um the thing if they were ever going to reboot final destination um i'm sure <laughs> i mean to the success of scream yeah um, Screen five, then they might do the thing with Final Destination is that this most terrifying thing about Final Destination is that death is inescapable. Exactly, and like that's you know that's what I think is like uh, one of the like my favorite but also terrifying things about watching the Final Destination films is that with each like you know inventive death, which each character that's having like basically a paranoia attack because of trying to escape death it kind of like forces you to kind of reconcile with that existential question of the fact that, huh, this is, you know, like all those characters that say, fuck death or, you know, I'm not ever going to (laughs) die. It's like, and then death kind of goes, you're mistaken, bud. (laughs) (laughs) You thought you were going to live forever, but no, you're not the lucky one. And it is, it's that kind of like, no matter what happens to the characters, they are eventually going to die. Um, in very creative ways but like it is very uh horrifying existential kind of like no death is death has a design you're going to die sometime um and you don't know when yeah like exactly and i think that's why you know wendy's character which again is just played brilliantly by Mary Elizabeth Winstead or you know Alex with Devin Sawa even AJ Cook's character Kimberly in Final Destination 2 um but with all of them like you believe their paranoia because they don't know how it's going to happen and that's something everyone can relate to yes these films might be heightened and they might be very creative and inventive ways that are highly unlikely for most people but <laughs> You never know how it's going to happen. And that's a real terror that these films play with. They play on it. Absolutely. And it also taps in, very tangenty, little tangent I'm going to go on, taps into my one of my favourite things, which is unusual deaths. Mm. Um, of people who die in very creative ways. <laughs> so if you watch your friends, you're going, that would never happen. <laughs> it probably has. <laughs> Like, uh, in very, it's like there's a death in hereditary that's mm. hor- horrifying. That has actually happened. That's based on the true story. So, like, these things, accidents happen. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know, be afraid of everything, <laughs> listener. That's, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the message from this franchise is be afraid of everything. Death is just around the corner. Yeah. You know, like, clear in, uh, in two, she's got the padded cell. I'm like, that's, that's how close I am. <laughs> like... Yeah, and uh, it's still when, like, when I was talking with Iona to discuss Final Destination 2, I'm still like, fucking Kimberly, like, 
playing that guilt trip and convincing Clear to leave her safe padded room and then Clear dies. Like, and it's just like, you know, it should have been everyone else was like, you know what, let's just find our own safe padded rooms rather than let's try and defeat death. You know? Fucking Kimberly. <laughs> uh, and just like that typical name of a character that you're just designed to hate anyway. Like, it's just, like, it is a shame I really love AJ Cook. Oh, yes, I, I, I adore her. That character, no. But yeah, no. AJ Cook, yes. Yeah, this is the problem because like one and three have my favorite, well, one, three and five, the odd numbers have my favorite lead characters. Yeah. They also definitely. have like my favorite endings. <laughs> so, definitely. Like, really, really interesting because like part five ends spectacularly well like um, i think five's biggest caveat is its ending um definitely i think that's the like uh, as i'll discuss at at the tail end of this deep dive into the franchise but yes five i think the ending is definitely like the not redeeming quality but it's one of the standout features Mm. from that film because like what i loved about one and two and I haven't looked into all of the deaths in three, but one and two was very much we're going to use practical and combine it with CG so that the deaths kind of look more realistic um, or as realistic as possible. Whereas like, I think because I guess this franchise suffered from the fact that the films were coming out at the advent of CG, that as the franchise goes on, the deaths become less practical and more just full CG, which means that when you're rewatching them, even like the more recent ones, they just don't look as good as the older ones, which is just such a shame. And it's just, that's why I just think like, you know, the best horror films, even like modern ones are the ones that go, no, we're going to, you know, we'll combine practical. We're not going to leave it behind. Like, and it's just, yeah, that's why I think the earlier Final Destination films still stand up more because they have that blend rather than just CG. Absolutely. This is my big thing with CG anyway. I'm a mm. big practical effects lover. Yeah. So uh, the CG works better because it looks real. It's made to look real. Whereas exactly. CG ages. It ages with its technology. 100%. Like, that's what, like, you know... Like, you know, for myself, like, you know, I'm a huge, like, Marvel nerd. I love the MCU films. You know, hold my hand up for, like, all my horror listeners who don't, I'm sorry, I like the films. But at the same time, you know, when you watch some of the, like, you know, older ones, because of how quick CG technology advances, some of them just look so ropey compared to what's coming out now. And it's just, that's the problem. Like, you know, uh... <laughs> That's another rant for a different podcast. Another deep dive. Rant for... <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think my, my, this obviously fours, I think is the least, the one that it works. It plays the 3D. So if you're not watching it in 3D, yeah. then you lose some of the effects that like it's clearly designed to like pop out the screen. And if you're not, if you've got the 3D glasses on, then it's just a bit mute, really. Yeah. Same with the. <laughs> saw the final chapter saw seven like um yeah <laughs> that was again one for 3d and so many of those deaths just look <laughs> terrible unless they're watching it in 3d that's true although four does have a, i think one of my top five deaths um which is the swimming pool death so 
gonna have to. I, I'm. It's on my next rewatch. I'm, oh, yes. Yeah, so I'll have it's to. A, it's a doozy. <laughs> I will look forward to it. So I think the one I remember most from four, or is it in five? I can't remember. I think it actually might be five, but the laser eye one. I that's think, five. That's five. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And um, all right. Then four. I don't remember most of those deaths, but that's if I remember correctly. Four is the premonition at like the NASCAR rally. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Grand. At least I was correct there. <laughs> Perfect. But um. But yeah, no, I think uh, we've done a pretty good in-depth breakdown of Final Destination 3. We've covered the mo- like our favourite deaths of the film, you know, the characters we liked the most, the characters we definitely didn't like. Um, so before we close out, would you recommend Final Destination 3 to horror fans in general, general film fans? And like, would you recommend they watch the previous two films or do you think they could just jump in on this one um i would say definitely watch one because mm-hmm. it's so good uh and you get the vibe because like like you said find destination three you have to have the vibe really yeah to you can skip two <laughs> like i i i muscle my way through two <laughs> um uh but free, you can watch one to get the vibe and also because it's brilliant. Yeah. But then jump into you can jump into free afterwards. You don't really necessarily have to watch it. Um watch them all in order. But like I would recommend it to horror fans, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not so much like general film fans. If you're not into horror, yeah. I don't think you'd enjoy Final Destination because it's 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 kind of like that. it's there for the deaths and if you don't like deaths and blood and gore and people dying in quite realistic ways then there's no point watching Fire Destination (laughs) but I I would recommend it if you're a big fan of Mary Elizabeth Winstead yes because she is really just like she steals it like she like you know carries every scene like she's definitely just yeah like every time I watch like when she's after she's had that premonition her freak out on the road like every time I'm just like I believe you. <laughs> you know, I believe. I believe you, and also that's how I react to Miranda cases as well. I'm like, "Just go bring it up, go bring it up." I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Yeah, exactly. That that was me on the Jimmy Neutron ride in Canada's Wonderland, which is basically ah! glorified teacups. Like glorified teacups. That's essentially what the Jimmy Neutron ride was, and I was having a freak out panicking and like I would have been probably 14 at the time so I wasn't a little kid either and like I think there was like you know with me my dad and I think my two siblings and with the way the <laughs> the bride worked is like it was basically a teacup there were like you sat in this kind of teacup shaped thing and there was like a little wheel in the middle that made you spin the opposite direction of the overall ride so it was like very like stomach churning <laughs> and terrifying to me <laughs> and but there was like a another family next to us which I think had all kids like minus the age of six giggling away having a brilliant time with their 14 year old me going ah get me off um that's so funny when I was 19 my little sibling um they made me promise to go on the Big Dipper in Blackpool with them. Mm. And they were, at the time, were like eight. (laughs) 
And I was 19, <laughs> and I was like, no way. And she's like, no, but it's my birthday. You have to come, come with me. And I went on, and I swore at them the entire ride. <laughs> I was like, I was like, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> fucking hate you, going up. And then afterwards, I just got, like, this big gulp of, like, adrenaline. Because, obviously, you do, because you're scared yeah. and you're frightened and all this, like, comes in. And I was like, I want to go on that ride next. And I like, pointed to, like, Infusion, which is, like, around the loop one. Mm. And I was like, let's go on that. And, then, like, my family, who have never seen this side of me, because I don't go, like, I yeah. don't go on rides. I go on <laughs> log flumes and riverboat rides yep. and, like, ferris. That's all I do. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, let's go on the ride. And then we went over, and as the ride was going up, all that adrenaline <laughs> left me. It left me so quickly that I turned around to my boyfriend at the time and went, what the fuck am I doing? And then that <laughs> And that is the last time I went on a roller coaster. I was like, you know what? That's, that's, that's enough, enough for me. me. <laughs> Washing my hands of them. I'm done. Yep. You got me on the biggest ride in <laughs> Europe. That's enough. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. And I think that's a terrific note to probably end things on. So before I let you go, where can people find you and support your work and just all that general fun stuff? Oh, awesome. So you can find me at Cookie N Screen on Twitter, where I talk a lot of, um, a lot about films um you can find my work on old films 1930s pre-co films on filmstories.co.uk you can find a lot of my articles on movies on weekends and also my short films on movies on weekends.com and uh you can find my creative writing on cookies and words.wordpress.com and also uh uk jewish film festival at Barrow market so Brilliant. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking all things Final Destination 3 with me. It's been an absolute blast. And to my listeners, thanks for tuning in and keep your eyes and ears peeled for the drop for the next episode, which will be uh, jumping into Final Destination 4. Thanks again. This has been Mix Bell Morgan, Fishnets and Philosophy.